This episode is brought to you by Major Spoilers VIP members. VIP stands for very important people, and their small monthly contributions ensure that this podcast remains free for all of you. If you would like to become a bronze, silver, or gold VIP member, go to members.majorspoilers.com for more information. I sure do thank you for your support. Now, here's your show. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course spoilers, and goes into detail about the topics discussed. So, if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items they talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Zach. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, Disney banks on another prequel, Riverdale under aerial and aquatic attack, Batman battles Robin, the Crystal Gems battle the light, the Black Hood battles the darkness, and Zack is back. To the future! Comics, movies, news, reviews, and the whole enchilada with a side of awesome sauce, plus a little something-something to give it that extra kick. The Major Spoilers Podcast is now officially on the air. Welcome once again to the Major Spoilers Podcast. Issue 621 is the one that we are uh, bringing to you Six, this week. Thank you two, so much for downloading. One. Thank you so much for sharing this episode with a friend. Some of us have done this over 600 times. Yep. I think Rodrigo and I have, uh, well, probably I know I've done it over 620 times. I think you've done it 621 times. Yep. That's for sure. Um, let's see what we got here. Oh, uh, thank you to all of our Major Spoilers VIPs. If you're not a Major Spoilers VIP, we could certainly use your help. Members.Majorspoilers.com. Go check out all the bonus stuff you get for signing up for a small monthly contribution. And now for some Star Wars. Wars. There was a lot of Star Wars stuff going on this uh, past weekend in Anaheim, California. Yes. That's where, uh, what was it, uh, what's it called? Uh, Star, Star Wars, Wars Celebration, Celebration uh, was taking Great place. Name. And it was a huge event. I mean, it was a, a terrible name. Bigger than, bigger than I've seen it before. Really? How many yeah. people? I guess I've never. I don't know. It filled up the Anaheim Convention Hasn't Center. Hasn't it so, been I mean, a long time since they've had it? Or am I just inferring that from some people's tweets that I follow? Um, I don't know when the last time they had it. They used to do a uh, Star Wars thing every year on May the 4th. Right. Um, but I don't know oh. how long it's been. Some people were referencing that it's been a long time since they've been back. Oh, okay. Maybe so, that's what it was. But there was a lot of news that came out yeah. uh, from that. Uh, Marvel announced yet another Star Wars comic book. Lando number Lando. one arrives in July. In fact, actually, um, issues one and two both arrive in July. Have they done it with all the Star Wars books so far? Or am I? Oh, by by month or they'll by do like Yeah, they'll drop the first two in the first month. Yeah, yeah. Have I they? think that's what they did. Princess yeah. Leia did that. Darth Vader did yeah. that. I'm pretty sure the Star Wars book did that too. Uh, proper. Yeah, I want to say the Star Wars book was uh, bi-weekly for more than two issues. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Before he joined the Rebellion, before he oversaw mining operations on Bespin, he was just Lando. Making his way in the galaxy and getting by on good looks, charm, and an ace up his sleeve, sometimes literally. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and a with, bottle of Colt 45. With his uh, cyborg aid Lobot at his side, Lando has mm-hmm. plans to steal one of the galaxy's most valuable ships. Yet even w- with uh, his swindles and unparalleled paralleled swagger, has he bitten off more than he can chew? No, he's Lando. Lando. Lando Calrissian. <laughs> Doesn't uh, fit into the song. Sure it does. 
Uh, so it's going to be written by Charles Soleil, Alex Maleev doing the art on that. And it arrives, like I said, the first two issues in July. Sounds pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, what, what the, what's the ship going to be? It's probably something we've already seen already. We don't well, know be- yet. Before, uh, before uh, Han Solo stole it from him, oh, yes. he owned the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> he didn't steal it. He he won it. Yes. Fair, and Fair and square. Yes, <laughs> that's what he claims. Anyway. Ro- Rodrigo, any thoughts? Yeah, Lando. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, BB eighty eight uh, rolled out on stage at uh-huh. uh, Star Wars Celebration. People went ballistic ape crazy. Uh-huh. Turns out uh, BB-88 is not a uh, CG effect, but no. an actual practical droid, very Heck much yeah. like R2-D2. Uh, in the presentation, they said that uh, Bob Iger had helped them find this company that Disney invested in. It only took a moment for people to go, oh, Disney invested in this company called Sphero that's a little remote-controlled ball. Yeah, those things are awesome. Yeah, and uh, so with a few magnets embedded inside, <laughs> make it a little bit larger. Pop the uh, top on, and there you have uh, BB-88. Supposedly, they're going to have these things. Um, I don't know if it's Sphero or another group is going to have a little bit larger version of this in stores by Christmas for 150 bucks, and it, which I think is about the price of the Sphero I right now. I think it is. Yeah, yeah. which is kind of cool because I've wanted one. But I was like, I don't know if I 150 dollars want one, but do I 150 dollars want a BB-8 one? If it Probably. was bigger. You yeah, know, it's because bigger. the the sphero is like the palm of your hand kind yeah. of thing. It's like a uh, about the size of a like racquetball or, or like a pool ball or something. Yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah, I think that's going to be people are going to be going. Oh, I don't know, one hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah, I know. But once they once they see it, it would come right out of the time of the movie. Oh yeah, yeah. So well. I mean, come on now, it's going to sell like hotcakes. You want to you want a BB eighty eight there, Matthew? Actually, I kind of do. I don't think I'm going to spend money on it, but yeah, it's a it's a neat looking thing. I'm really entertained by the fact that everybody flipped out that this is, oh, my God, it's real and not computer effective. That that fascinates me. But, yeah, I can definitely see where the fascination is. Well, and the thing is, is because when it first came out, it's like, well, how does that head? Because it's, you know, it's, it's, yeah, how does it sit up on the rolling thing when Mm -hmm. it doesn't have any, you know, when it's a a sphere? Mm -hmm. And, of course, a lot of people had speculation. In fact, there's a guy that I follow. He does a bunch of 3D printing. He's currently doing an... um, what is it, an R6 droid. He's 3D mm-hmm. printing a life-size version of that. Oh, yeah. And then wow. he uh, just came out on the day that they showed off BB-88, and he's doing his own version of uh, BB-8. Mm. Uh, but he's not doing it like the Sphero is. He's got a, some design where he's got a hollow sphere, which is lightweight, and then the head unit is um, radio-controlled, and essentially it's driving an RC unit on top of that ball, and mm-hmm. because of the weight distribution... Um, the uh, head drives the ball underneath. Interesting. At least that's what he is hoping to do in part one. My guess is he's going to have to build a duplicate unit to ride inside the ball and run yeah. in the opposite mm-hmm. direction. But who knows? I thought that was interesting. Yeah, you'll need some sort of counterbalance or else yeah, you just roll right off he, the top. He showed it. I mean, he demonstrated this guy is really smart. I don't know if he's an engineer by day or if his whole job now is just this 3D printing robot stuff. But uh, he did a demonstration of of this and said this is practically why it will work this way. Hmm. And he's got it to work every single time. So it'll be interesting to see if he gets this robot uh, to work. Kind of like smart people. Yeah, yeah. The the biggest news at Star Wars Celebration was they gave the synopsis or uh, the rough idea of what Star Wars Rogue One is all about. Hmm. Yes. And it is all about stealing the plans (laughs) to the Death Star. Yep. A Matt heroic Damon. man named Manny Bohans. Yeah. 
We know he dies bringing this information to the rebellion. Uh, the Star Wars uh, Twitter broke the news. It says a brand, band of resistance fighters unite for a daring mission to steal the Death Star plans in Star Wars anthology film Rogue One. Uh, this one does take place bet- uh, between uh, episode three and episode four. Um, mm-hmm. It takes place obviously closer to episode four since, you know, the opening shot of uh, of episode four is Princess Leia trying to get away with the plans of the stolen Death Star. Uh-huh. There's been some uh, question, though, of because they're not doing any Jedi stuff, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because they're not doing any, we presume, Darth Vader appearances in this mm-hmm. since he's a Jedi. Well, he's a Sith, technically. Um mm-hmm. Will people be interested in this kind of band of brothers, uh, Mission Impossible, uh, uh, Dirty Dozen type tale set in the Star Wars universe? Well, you have to think, is the draw of Star Wars just Jedi and lightsabers? Because mm-hmm. I would say that that is certainly a big part of it because that's mm-hmm. a cool thing we never really seen before. But, I mean, if you look at all the really, really awesome stuff that's been in especially this last uh, teaser trailer and the first trailer, it's mm-hmm. not a lot of Jedi. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like X-Wings yeah. flying over the water and th- through ships and yeah. awesome yeah. crap like that. I think there's a, there's a broader aesthetic at play, and I think it works without the Jedi or maybe in the wake of the Jedi having broken up because basically, you know, we had the discussion of whether you like your cowboys in space or your knights in space. And even if you take the Knights of the Round Table out of a story – you can tell an interesting story in, you know, medieval England or whatever you want to do. I think there's enough Star Wars that they can get away with you know, probably several movies without Jedi, without Luke. And I think their biggest problem is going to be getting past the expectations of those who remember the expanded universe. Mm-hmm. Because I'm almost certain there's more than one story that tells us how the plans got taken, you know, that doesn't exist anymore. So I think that may be their biggest thing to overcome is, is it going to be like the stories we, we used to know? So, Rodrigo, you want to jump in on this? Yes. Uh, <laughs> so I'm looking at the, uh, the, the header image that we have on Majorspoilers.com for Rogue One. Yeah. Um, what's the thing that it says above Ro- Rogue One? Star Wars. Yeah, everybody's gonna go see it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, this is you uh, can put Gareth, Star Wars. If you put Star Wars on a burrito, everybody will show up to look at the burrito. Oh, did you hear that, Taco Bell? <laughs> Star Wars, Taco Bell. Felicity It'll Jones have. is going to be playing one of the Rebel fighters in the movie. That's the only person we know that's cast, and Gareth Edwards is directing this. Um, Felicity Jones, who's Felicity Jones? Actress. She was in um, the Theory of Everything. Yeah. And oh, I like her. She, wasn't she gonna be in Spider Man, and then she got? Oh yeah, cut? yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she played. Didn't she play Felicia Hardy, who wasn't quite so. the black cat? I believe yeah. so. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So uh, we'll know more about this. Apparently, there was a little bit of a sizzle reel or a teaser trailer that was shown with this, but mm. that's been taken down left and right. It, the only shot that I saw was a bunch of rebel. Uh, troops running across a uh, field, uh, kind of a forested field, firing Ooh. and stuff. So uh, I, that can be rather interesting. You know how you just, you know what you put in the movie besides the Jedi? Just make everyone freak out. Army of Wookiees. You put all the Wookiees in the film, people forget about Jedi. <laughs> they did Army of Wookiees in episode three, and it didn't necessarily endear people. <laughs> well, oh, it was the whole swing on, on the uh, vine with Yoda on your back that yeah. uh, I think kind of <laughs> ruined that. Uh, but it does bring, does bring up a question is, 
who from any of the films would we think or expect to see in Rogue One? Well, you could do, I mean, there's any number of it. You could do Admiral Ackbar. I hear those I people mean, are immortal. Porkins, obviously. Yeah, you need Porkins. Yeah. Young, Finn, awesome Porkins. Yeah. <laughs> Before he became, I'm having a new trouble here. We've got to give him this huge heroic backstory so that when he does, you know, become Porkins, his death has meaning. Thank you, Zachary. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah. I think we might see um, Leia's father. Mm. Uh, oh, this Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy Smith's. This is Jimmy man. Smith's. I think maybe maybe not played by Jimmy Smith's. I don't know, Jimmy. <laughs> I, I um, honestly think that there could be a Princess Leia element in in there. You could do you could do some Boba Fett. That would be interesting because this is going. Yeah, because it's like episode episode uh, was seven, and unless after the, the six, if you go before, right. you're not gonna yeah. not gonna get her to re uh, play Princess Leia. Oh, well, she no, has to she's recast him. Way old. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. when. Are we? Are they going to work around that? Because obviously Princess Leia has something to do with the ceiling of the the Death Star plan, so they right. can recast her. Right. That would be depending ugh, depending ugh. on when it happens. You could do like teenage Leia or child Leia to where you you cast someone. Well, who but looks I mean, like I, I mean, younger Carrie Fisher. Epi- yeah. Episode four opens with Vader's uh, forces taking on the uh, the the ship and saying, "Yes, and, this." But there's like three years the, between uh, the second and third movie too, and there's that yeah. direct line of Han Solo getting captured and then. Getting taken by Jabba, so I don't know. Yeah, so it'll be interesting. I mean, the easiest way would just be cut and paste Frankensteiner in. Yeah, there oh, you go. I mean, just put her in at the very end of the movie and don't yeah, yeah, even yeah. cast her throughout the film. Right. Just digitally steal her from Star Wars. Yeah. After yeah, Harry Fisher record possible. new dialogue. Yeah. And I mean, be- they did it with uh, well, they did it with what's his face to play. Uh, uh, yeah. With Danny Trejo to play Marsha Brady. No, no, no. I meant with. Um, <laughs> With uh, uh, Superman's father in, uh, oh, Marlon Brando Marlon is Jarrell. Yeah, yeah. Where they they took all these lines of dialogue that were mm. never released in the original movie, and then they <laughs> CG recreated his face from all the photos that they had from mm. that, and they mm-hmm. just slapped a virtual virtual yeah. Jarrell onto the onto the screen. So that would be great, Hello. especially if they uh, use burrito. her uh, uh, father in the film as this uh, senator man. Yeah, yeah, and then he just references her all the time. Mm-hmm. And then you just throw her digitally into the movie mm-hmm. or something, or yeah. just sure in hologram. Yeah, you can get away with it. That's oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, think- I will say um, this uh, is a good. This is going to be an interesting moment for like fans of the expanded universe because um, I think some of the comments that I've seen, people are like, oh, maybe we'll finally see Bothans on screen. And I think yeah, those yeah. people might be expecting what Bothans became in the expanded universe. But for all we know, that's not what they're doing. They already said it's, you know, there's no Yuzan Vong or whatever. So what's to keep? <laughs> they are not going to hold anything that wasn't in the movie sacred. Right. right. And even there's, then, there's no continuity anymore. I mean, they threw that all out. All the expanded universe stuff is out. The only stuff that is canon is the G canon, the George Lucas canon, the stuff that we've seen in uh, Clone Wars and the movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, you know, no B. Arthur running a cantina, uh, Matthew. Sorry about that. Hey, that's a George Lucas joint. We did get to see. Well, George Lucas has even disavowed that. He's like, "Yeah, that that never happened." Was it Earth Day or <laughs> whatever? Yes, that Life, was day. The Life Day. Life yes, Day. Yes, yes. <laughs> we did get to the, see a brand new uh, Star, Star Wars. Wars trailer. Heck, yes. Did you like it, Zach? Oh, I got off the. I because uh, it. 
<laughs> when they did, oh my gosh, they they showed the trailer when I was in the air flying from Vegas to Denver. Right. I landed and I was on the shuttle to go to the the parking lot at DIA, and I was throwing through my Twitter feed. And I saw the Star Wars trailer. I freaked out and I grabbed my headphones in my bag and plugged them in and just just enjoyed enjoyed that minute and a half while yeah. on the on the shuttle. What did you like best? Oh my gosh, um, I like best Darth Vader's helmet all crushed was awesome mm-hmm. the star destroyer and the sand was cool the millennium falcon flying through that other giant ship was great uh leia technically is kind of in it possibly when he's referencing oh, like my father had it and yeah, i yeah. had it and my sister had it and mm-hmm. now you have it who's he talking to i don't know uh and as much <laughs> as i was kind of worried about them bringing back uh, harrison Binks. i oh. wish harrison ford and all the original cast, man, what a cool moment that was with Han Solo and yeah. Chewie at the end. Did you like it as much, Rodrigo? Eh. I mean, uh, I'm interested in it, but I'm way more interested in new characters than I am in how they fit in yeah, yeah. Uh, the Trinity. Do you think? Uh, do you think Matthew that uh, Luke Skywalker is going to the dark side from the trailer? Nah, I think they want us to think that Luke Skywalker is going to the dark side, but. Luke Skywalker going to the dark side. I, I don't think that works. That's, you, you think- know, that would, that would be, I mean, yeah, I think it's a hook. I think it's something that if they're doing a whole new trilogy, we'll probably see play out, but I don't think it'll stick. So, and, and I don't know. I haven't actually seen the latest trailer because I've, there were so many trailers and I'm just, I'm kind of trailered out. I feel like I've, I, I don't want to spoiler this one because I want to see this one. You know, for me, so. um, I think the balance and if if like the on-screen ratio of all new characters to mm-hmm. old characters is the same as this trailer, yeah, yeah. I think that's probably the perfect balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was an, it was a nice trailer. Uh, also announced is a Star Wars Battlefront. It's a new, um, I don't know, giant, up game. giant game thing. Yeah. Where you get to play the Rebel Forces, and apparently, uh, you know, it's one of these multiplayer games where you get to play with your pals, and you get to go online, and you get to blow things up, and mm-hmm. go on to missions, and all that stuff. But apparently, you get to also play... As Darth Vader, as Boba Fett, as these other people in the mm-hmm. game as well, which I think is very cool. The graphics Can look I play stunning. Zuckus? I want to play as Zuckus. I believe in the first Battlefront games, you could play as some of the Jedi as well. Oh, really? Yeah, they were pretty fun. They're kind of like these weird capture the flag style games. I don't yeah, know if yeah, it's yeah. Really the same way. I don't, I, but it was, those were really fun. I don't know much about it. I did see that it was already on pre-order at uh, Walmart today when I went over there. Don't the know. game arrives November 17th, 2015 on the PlayStation, PC, Xbox, and I thought Steam, but maybe not Steam. But uh, the trailer was uh, rendered all using in-game uh, graphic engine. Yeah, it looked really good. Oh, my goodness. It looked good. And you can also play by uh, Solo if you uh, – not Han Solo. Maybe you can play him too. <laughs> but you can play by yourself. If you if you want to go that route and have the rest of your teammates be uh, AIs in the game, sure. so I'm kind of looking forward to this game. Yes. I don't know why I've not played a Battlefront before. Uh, not really have played a lot of this. In fact, I don't think I've ever played any of the Star Wars games, yeah. except for Historically, Star Wars. Historically, I don't think they were that great. I think some pod, are. The, the pod racing game was pretty dope. That was the first thing I got with my 64. That was awesome. <laughs> You know, this is rare for you, but uh, thousands of voices just cried out in anger, and they are not to be silenced, Zach. Oh, no, I'll defend episode one. Okay. Especially pod racing. Are you kidding me? That was the best part of the whole movie, was the pod race. And Jar Jar. There was 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 a pod racing game in the local arcade where you would sit down on the console and you would fly your pod racer and you would steer it. 
It's yeah, same. I think it's the same maps from the game. Speaking but that thing of, was awesome. you went to Vegas. Did you happen to go to any of the uh, big arcades over there? Did you see that new uh, no. Star Wars Battle Pod thing? No. Uh, apparently, it's all over Dave and Buster's right now and some other places. But uh, apparently, oh, it's no like this totally Buster's. immersive, uh, not 360 degree, but almost 270 degree a video game where you are inside the screen using one of these projected dome kind of things and you're doing trench runs and you're doing other oh battles God, and all this no, other stuff. Never knew. I would have oh. found it. I bet they, I bet it's there. <laughs> probably. I, it's there it's pro- I probably walked right past it. Way to go, Zach. Yep. Went to Vegas and you didn't even look around for video games. I know. Uh, here's something <laughs> that comes out of the realm of what are they doing over there? Uh, Archie <laughs> comics announced this week that they are doing yet another crossover uh, going on right now is uh, Archie versus Predator. Mm-hmm. They uh, they just wrapped, uh, or they're still ongoing with uh, Archie, uh, <laughs> Night of the Living Dead. Uh, uh, Afterlife, Afterlife with, with Archie. Afterlife. And now, just in time for the new Sharknado movie, Archie yeah. versus Sharknado <laughs> comes out in July, July 22nd. <laughs> then on July 23rd, the, uh, the new sci-fi movie hits on the sci-fi channel. But what happens <laughs> when Sharknado visits Riverdale? There's gonna be some. There's gonna be some chomping. My question is, who will Sharknado take out first, Betty or Veronica Matthew? Reggie. <laughs> Probably Jughead. Jughead bit it literally. In uh, yeah, that's why Archie. Jughead is the obvious choice. People want to see Reggie get eaten by a carnivorous creature. Uh, are they fish? They're fish. I think sharks are fish. I'm gonna say carnivorous fish eats Reggie. Shark. Shark versus moose. Shark moose. Yeah, shark moose. <laughs> moose. Shark moose sounds like a great. This is weird. Rodrigo gives some gives some uh, insight onto this uh, crazy crazy series of crossovers that Archie is doing. Uh, well, um, at some point, um, I think Archie Comics realized that Archie is an important cultural touchstone. At which point, they decided to throw it against all the culturally important touchstones <laughs> and see um, which ones ring. <laughs> yes, and and see what explodes. Well, they've done. You know, you gotta. You've got to admit they've done some pretty progressive things over the last uh, couple of yeah. years. Uh, oftentimes ahead of some other comic book publishers, um, and then they just said, "Hey, Archie's a popular enough property. Why don't we just start doing all this weird stuff that people don't <laughs> expect us to do?" The weirdest thing about Archie versus Predator and now Archie versus Sharknado is Dan Parent uh, and Rich Kozlowski are are doing the art on these. And they are the regular Archie ongoing artists. So it's like in the yeah. Predator book, for those of you that read that, that came out last week. I mean, there's a shot where the Predator is holding the spine of what are oh what's God. the what are the two rich kids from the city over? Uh, Cheryl Blossom yes. and her brother Skippy. Yes, yeah, Skippy. He's holding like Skippy's spine and it's dripping with blood and it's all done in the Archie style. And the kids, the Riverdale <laughs> kids are down below with this red stuff dripping on them. They're like, what is this stuff? And they don't even know what it is. Hey, let's get out of this jungle. This is weird. They don't even realize it's uh, blood. <laughs> it's it's it is bizarre. So I can just I can just see what happens. I can't wait. to. See I kind of hope Tara Reid shows up in this one with the chainsaw. Would that, would that be awesome? Tara Reid with the chainsaw. Name, what's his name from? Uh, Ian Ziering. Ian Ziering. He's the big star in this, isn't yeah. he? I think I Will Wheaton is in Sharknado 3. Interestingly, I though, we, I mean, is. we had the sarcastic sort of, oh, my God, how are they going to pull this off with Afterlife with Archie? Mm-hmm. And it's turned out to be a really, really good book. 
So this, I mean, this could be something where we point and laugh, and it turns out that it's just like an amazing story, totally worth four ninety nine. So well, who knows? I gotta say, the uh, the Archie versus Predator number one was a really surprising good book. I mean, <laughs> considering that it was somewhat toned down, and there was only like one or two deaths in the first <laughs> issue, they only uh, ripped out one spine. Predator I mean, is yeah. heading to Riverdale to track down, I think. <laughs> Betty, I think, is who he's got his his uh, eyes on. So it's going to be interesting. I, I think it'll be very interesting to see what happens. I think it would be great if this was just a weird prank and you buy uh, Archie versus Sharknado and you open the page and it's just like Archie on a pair of skis jumping over a shark <laughs> and it's just that for 24 pages. And I'm sure there will be at least one of those in this, uh, that's in this a, piece. That's a long jump, Zach. <laughs> 24 pages. No, no, it's just the same image. You just flip it over 24 times. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah. Listen, no way would that make people angry. <laughs> you can head over to Majorspoilers.com. You can check out these stories and a whole lot more, a whole lot more, including news about uh, Daredevil Season 2 all over at Majorspoilers.com. While you're over there, if you're thinking about buying something from Amazon, go ahead and do us a favor. Click on that Amazon button right there on the right column. Uh, that will take you over to our affiliate link, and you can just buy anything that you normally would buy through Amazon, whether it be tape or baby diapers or adult diapers. Um, or, you know, your latest uh, uh, rowing machine, whatever it is that you want to buy. Buy it from Amazon. A little bit comes back our way and allows us to do fine shows like this one that includes such shout-outs uh, as uh, our Amazon affiliate link <laughs> where we encourage you to buy adult diapers. And rowing machines. And rowing machines. Hey, you have to. if you're out of shape and you're on a rowing machine, you may need some adult diapers. You, you may need them anyway. I mean, you're on a rowing machine. You don't want to stop your cardio. Yeah. No. You can't stop your workout. Yeah. yeah, you're practicing for when you uh, row across the, uh, the English, English channel. channel. Yeah, you just lean over the side there. <laughs> <laughs> so Why you know, is that funny? One of the things that I don't think people realize, uh, maybe you guys do, I don't know. If you, have, if you have an Apple TV or if you have an iTunes account, uh, all these Warner Brothers animated features come out like two weeks ahead of the uh, DVD release, mm -hmm. which is I always thought is like, oh, hey, this movie's out today. Let's talk about it. Let's review it. And then I find out that, oh, no, the big that's it doesn't come out for another couple of weeks. Uh, that's kind of the case with Batman versus Robin, which came out last week, I think, uh, from Warner Home Video. Again, it was out on, on my iTunes for about a week or two. And yeah. I finally sat down to 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 watch it. <sighs> oh, no. You know, we've ranked before. I've ranked before my favorite of the uh, Warner Brothers animated direct-to-DVD uh, features in this mm -hmm. uh, DC universe. And one of the ones at the very bottom is the Gotham Knights one. This one barely beats the Gotham Knights one oh, as oh, one of the worst. It does not sound great. It's not really that great. What it is is um, it is a very loose adaptation of Scott Snyder's uh, Court of Owls storyline. And oh, by, it's not good? No, the Court of Owls, Owls storyline is oh, great. Yeah, that's awesome. How they pervert it and only take out like the three best sequences from that and put it in here uh, really kind of makes it fall apart. Uh, Talon is a, is a main central figure. Um, and what he's doing is he's trying to drive a wedge between uh, Bruce Wayne and Damian Wayne so that he can have Damian come on to his side so that he can have him become the new Talon and he can, quote unquote, retire and marry the head of the Court of the Owls. What the? What? Yeah, I know. Is this coming after a 
previous Robin Batman animated film? Yeah, they did have uh, Son of the Bat was the previous one, I believe, was right. the last one. And that's where Bruce Wayne is introduced to his son gotcha. and they have to do that whole thing. Okay. So it's not like Damien is not new to this animated right. universe. But, man, what a way to tear apart a perfectly good story and wedge it into this thing, which... Can I just say that I think DC hates children? You can, you can say that, and I think there's evidence to support it. Well, this the first five minutes of this movie will definitely support the cause, because uh, Robin is um, disobeying Bruce, steals the Batmobile, drives out to this uh, factory outside of town, mm-hmm. to the shot toy factory, where he discovers the doll maker. And you guys know from comics, if you know your your uh, character oh history, God, I the doll maker doesn't uh, do very nice things to little children. And so we get a whole sequence of of Damien discovering kids locked up in cages, and then when doll maker, played by Weird Al Yankovic, by the way, when the doll oh maker finally does make his appearance, uh, you've got these creepy little kids who have been uh, who have had um, machines surgically attached to their limbs. In very oh. grote- it's very disturbing. I was like. Oh, this might be something that Mason and I could sit down and watch, but I probably ought to watch it first. Mm-hmm. After the first five minutes, I was like, oh, this is definitely not something my kid's going to see before he's 25. <gasps> because it, it's very disturbing. And the fact that there is at least one child's body in the cage, which is not moving. Ugh. And then a, is it rated PG-13? It's a PG-13 movie. Um, the animation is fine. It, it still falls onto that heavy anime influence that they've been using over the last couple of years, which I'm fine with. Mm-hmm. Uh, the acting is fine. I mean, uh, uh, Stuart Allen plays uh, Damien. Uh, Kevin Conroy plays Thomas Wayne in a flashback sequence. And then you have, um, who do you have playing uh, Bruce Wayne? Oh, Jason O'Mara. And uh, then you have an appearance by Dick Grayson by uh, Sean Mayer. But it's just not, it's not that good of a story, unfortunately. And to be honest, I don't think you could take the Court of Owls and make a direct adaptation of it. So the sequences yeah. that they use is they have the sequence where um, the uh, Batman discovers the owls um, while he's investigating a break in. Mm-hmm. Then there is the sequence where um, Talon shows up and kills a guy. Then there is the sequence mm-hmm. from where Bruce or Batman is, is thrown into the uh, maze. And that one is... Oh, yeah. You know, that was a cool issue. Yeah, it was. But it was a terrible sequence. In the oh, movie. really? It was really poorly done. Uh, they really didn't go into the whole wackiness of being drugged up and, and everything there. So it kind of fell apart. And then they had the big uh, thing where the uh, Court of Owls, all the zombies, all attack uh, Wayne Manor. And they're down in the Batcave and uh, Bruce has to get into the uh, the bat armor yeah. and say, get out of my cave. <laughs> It was just, it it's depressing. it's not a very good movie, unfortunately. I, I wish it was. Maybe some people will get a kick out of it. I did not. I did not particularly enjoy it. I didn't think it did Scott Snyder any justice. I don't think it did any DC any justice. Uh, I don't think it does the viewers any justice. Um, and it still didn't make me care for Damian Wayne any more than I have ever cared for him before. So bottom line <laughs> is, this is kind of a 50-50 split for me. The animation was fine. I thought it was good. There were some good action sequences. It definitely has the uh, not G-rated stuff. And I don't want my Batman and or really any of my uh, DC animated movies to be G-rated. I don't mind them being PG-13. Um, but I think when you're putting kids in jeopardy and you're showing potentially dead kids and you're showing Batman punching out little kids, uh, then it's probably not a good thing. 
And, uh, and what we've seen the last couple of weeks in Convergence from DC Comics just really makes me believe that DC could give two craps about kids. That's the one. It's not that DC hates kids. It's right. that kids, uh, women, mm-hmm. uh, anybody's boyfriend, whether yeah, they're yeah. straight or gay, they, all they serve is this like very juvenile um, yeah. narrative, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah. Not, and it's not done very well. I mean, it's, it's really not. And I'm getting really kind of tired of it. And I was really tired of seeing it. Uh, Matthew and I commented it multiple times as we were yep. talking back and forth about which Convergence books we were reading. Every single one of them, or not every single one of them, most of them most has of them. some some kind of child endangerment uh, in yep. it as a really petty uh, plot point. And I think it's, it's a, I it's think a it's really a quick way to to you know convey evil. Oh, this is someone who's completely helpless. Let's put them in danger so we know how bad the bad guy is. It's really quick shorthand. Yeah, yeah. I've been complaining about this for a couple. Oh, of Oh yeah, years, I know you have, and it really had now it's home. really really pervasive. I, I think though. it I think it becomes more. Um, in your face and you're more aware of it when you have your own kids. I think maybe that's part of it. I don't yeah. know. At least it was after I had kids uh, noticing this more and more and, and saying, hey, this really is kind of a cheap shot and a cheap ploy as opposed to just telling a good story and right. really kind of figuring out a way to make it work. Now we've got to throw child endangerment or in, in the case of uh, a couple of the books we've read, actual child death. In the case of uh, Convergence number two, we get to see the on panel death of uh dick grayson's earth Two son where right. his ship blows up i mean come on that's i mean it's not come on dc you guys are better than this so i'm giving uh leanne harper actually came back from the dead to be threatened with death in convergence and and pregnant lois lane is uh put under duress to where she may lose her kids so who knows yeah. that I've, I've i've got a whole convergence thing that we'll get to in a little bit Mm-hmm. Um, but so Batman versus Robin, if you haven't bought it, I say skip it. But if you're into it, uh, two and a half slices of meatloaf for me, Matthew, I am very interested in what, uh, Archie comics is doing with their dark circle imprint Yes, with, uh, the black hood. Tell me all about the, the brand new issue. Well, here's the thing about the black hood, the black hood. And this is, this is telling I've been reading comics since approximately 1979. This is probably the, I want to say fourth Black Hood revival during my comics reading career. Well, they just had one. I don't know if this is the same Black Hood from like a year ago when they did that limited series. It might be. I'm not certain. I didn't read that series, but I know that they had a run at DC. They had a run with Impact previously at DC. They had a run in the uh, mid-80s with Blue Ribbon Comics. But here's the thing about the Black Hood. The Black Hood has never been compelling to me the way the Shield has, the way the Comet has. This episode, this issue, Black Hood number three from Dark Circle under the uh, the Archie comics, Dwayne Swierczynski and Michael Gatos. Michael Gatos, you know from Daredevil with Brian Bendis. Dwayne Swierczynski has been around and about, and he's done some good stuff. He took over uh, uh, Immortal Iron Fist when Fraction left. They have made me like the Black Hood in a way that I've never liked the Black Hood based on this single issue. And I did not have time to read issue one and issue two before oh, this. Okay. All right. So that will tell you how strong this is. I came in without reading the first two issues of Black Hood. And it, I mean, they got me. They got me. This is the story of a police officer. Uh, it, this is in a world where the original Black Hood, a man named Kip Berland, was captured and shot Right. On on camera by the police. Yeah. 
So everybody in the city knows that the Black Hood is dead. But this police officer who was injured in the line of duty has his mask. And all the while, he's trying to, you know, bring himself back up to speed. He's doing his therapy. He's doing his physical therapy. And at night, he's putting on Black Hood's old mask and running around and messing with people. It's that Batman thing of, you know, striking fear into people. They know the Black Hood is dead. They saw the Black Hood die. And now he's back. Really, really good story. And interestingly, Dark Circle, um, I'm not sure if they have tags on this the way Marvel and DC do the mature uh, teen whatever tags. There's some cursing oh, yeah, in this. Yeah. There's, there's the, I mean, there is yeah, realistic dark dialogue. Yeah, their Dark Circle imprint is not an all-ages imprint. Okay. Which is good because there is at least one F-bomb in here. And this is very... Very dark. Ah, let's see what I did there. It's the Black Hood from Dark Circle. It couldn't be anything else. But it's really interesting stuff. And it's treading on familiar territory. You know, the Dark Avenger of the Night gets done a lot. So you have an uphill battle. And it's not one of my favorite types, you know, of comic book stories. It's one that doesn't always appeal to me. I don't have a whole lot of instantaneous love for a dark avenger of the night the way i do a solar powered sentinel saving the day so the fact that they hooked me as quickly as they did with this and that the art is so amazing uh the first time we see black hood we're looking up from a criminal's perspective he's standing on the rooftop above him so it's this this perspective you see the bottom of his shoes over the edge and you see him leaning down with his hood and he's like tell me who do you work for and they make a point of his uh, – one of his therapy things is he's doing therapy to learn how to speak again because his face has been badly wounded. Mm, and okay. one of the things that he has learned how to say perfectly and the, even the, the, the word balloon looks like a Batman voice, tell me who is above you. <laughs> and he finds these people who are involved in the drug trade. They tell him who they work for. He goes and finds that person. But also does, you know, the general sort of home invasions, muggings, beatings. He takes care of those as well. He's acting like a superhero, which I really appreciate. Um, the thing about it that really, really works for me is the tone. Because when I think of previous attempts on the Archie comics, they've done kid-oriented attempts like they did with Impact. And they've done kind of a younger reader's approach. And... I'm I'm interested to see what Dark Circle can give us, especially based on this issue and based on, you know, the revival of the Fox, who's been around for a year or two now, Mark Wade and Dean Haspel's Fox. I really like this. Four slices of meatloaf for Black Hood number three. I'm going to go dig up one and two. And I'm going to try and review The Shield, which is out this week as well. Cool. Excellent. 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 Yeah, that was, uh, it looked good. I just, uh, yeah, it, had a it looks to read amazing. It. It reads really well. It's got a great hook. It's got a great uh, cliffhanger at the end. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm kind of impressed how much I like it based on the fact that it's kind of almost a Batman story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, well, that was kind of my complaint about Daredevil. It was kind of a Batman story or, <laughs> mm. or should have been what yeah. Batman should have been. So yeah, Jason every Inman said today that he didn't like uh, Daredevil's cowl looking like Batman. Mm. And I responded, it's okay. Since about 83, everything about Daredevil has basically yes. looked like Batman to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But I'm a cynical jerk, so. Yeah. Uh, Rodrigo, uh, you've been all about the Steven Universe lately, and you got your hands on a video game. Yes. Uh, it's called Steven Universe Attack the Light. 
Um, yep, and I got it for my iPad, but I think you can get it for Android as well um, and for iPhone. Well, Did it cost um, you money? It does cost money. Um, mm. I want to say, I forget how much. Uh, actually forgot how much it was, but it was like, it was less than five bucks, I want to say. It was like maybe three or four bucks. Um, it is a... So so basically, the premise of the game is that uh, the Crystal Gems recover an artifact and Steven accidentally uh, activates it. And now they have to go and basically beat up a bunch of light creatures that have escaped from the artifact. It's pretty straightforward. And the game itself is pretty straightforward. Um it draws a lot of comparisons to uh, Paper Mario and Super Mario RPG um, in the sense that it has kind of an active interface uh, while you're playing. So it's a, it's a turn-based RPG, but uh, instead of kind of inputting commands and then having the characters carry it out, waiting for your turn and doing it again... Um, it uh, allows you to increase damage to enemies or um, decrease damage to yourself or sometimes add additional effects uh, through timing. Basically, when your character attacks, if you tap the screen at the right time, um, you might do extra damage. Or one of your character's attacks might actually include kind of an Angry Bird-style aiming action. Um, to hit the enemies instead of just, you know, saying hit this enemy. Um, and you might actually be able to like hit more than one enemy if you actually aim it right and that sort of thing. Uh, so it's pretty interesting. It's, um, it's more engaging than just your average kind of point and click, uh, turn based RPG. Um, and it has the huge advantage of being a, a you know Steven Universe property, which means it's very charming, very cute. I believe all of the voice actors from the show are the ones doing the voices for the game as well. Um, and if not, they, then they sound very similar. Very cool. Um, lots of references to the show, but it does stand apart as its own thing and doesn't really affect the story of the show. In fact, this came out before the season was over, I believe, and has been in the works for a long time. And where there were moments where they might have spoiled something, um, they don't. They kind of very gracefully avoid that kind of thing. Um, But, I mean, there's kind of some interesting spoilers in that. Oh, I mean, maybe not quite spoilers, but you know, it's like when uh, when a gem drops to zero harmony, which is what hit points are, um, they retreat into their gem, and the gem just stays there floating. And you know, for example, Garnet has two gems, which she does have. She does have you know a gem on either hand. So eh, look at it how you will. Um, <laughs> the game allows a lot of customization, so you can end up with a drastically different party from someone else. In fact. Um, I know some people that are, have played the game and the way that they leveled up the gems is very different from me. I kind of went through this like kind of uh, I had a Pearl as a very like kind of critical hit based character, not critical hit the show we do. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's like there is a, a lucky strike kind of um, 
mechanic and you can kind of put more stuff on that is like when you get a lucky attack you do this or you do that other thing Mm -hmm. so like i kind of loaded her up that way for example which is not something at all that you need to do it's not probably not the optimal way of doing it but it worked out for me so there's some customization that said the game is very short um it's not a puzzle quest type game or a, or a puzzle or a, like a bejewel type game or like an atomas type game or anything like that where you can yeah. just play and yeah. play and play until you finally look inside your soul and say why have i been doing this um it's a game that has a little story and it has percentages that you complete and once you've completed 100 percent of everything you are done there's no more game to play so this isn't and one this isn't one where they might unlock future chapters later I suppose they could, but they've also made a big deal out of the fact that there's no uh, there's no store, there's no in-app purchases with actual oh, real okay. money. All this right. is a complete game that you buy. So my guess is, if there was going to be something like that, it would probably just be a complete sequel. Okay. Um, which I wouldn't put past them because right now Steven Universe is pretty hot. Right. Um, and I understand that the game has actually been doing really well. It was number one in the App Store for uh, at least a week. Cool. When nice. it came out, and that was so, like, like a couple of weeks ago, right? Uh, it was, yeah. And I was actually going to review it a couple of weeks ago, but I got held up with work, and then we did Daredevil. So, um, but in the meantime, I actually finished the game, and this is actually. This will go to show, I guess, the difficulty level of the game because this is the only game I've ever played where I've actually gotten a hundred percent on everything. Cool. So take that, take that as you will. In between the game both being short um, and helping my attention span with games, uh, but also in that it's really not the most difficult game you're gonna encounter, which is probably a good thing because this the Steven Universe does kind of skew young, so it's it, it it's good. It's a good, cute little RPG. Um, for kids ages 10 to 99. <laughs> All right, great. That sounds yep. like a lot of fun. Yeah, four slices of meatloaf with only, you know, a little bit off because it's very short, basically. Yeah. No, I understand. All right, cool. Thank you for that, uh, Rodrigo. And finally, Zach. Yep. You took a crack at Mark Miller's uh, Chrononauts number two, which I'm excited about hearing. I did. Because Matthew and I really got a kick out of the first issue. And I have not yeah, had a chance to read good. issue two yet. Yeah, I was trying to figure out what I was going to read for the show this week. And I saw Chrononauts number two. Checked to see if anyone reviewed it. They weren't. Put my name in. Went back and had to read the first issue first. Uh, yeah. Really dug it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, jumped in issue two and dug it even more. Yeah, cool. This, this, epi- this issue of Chrononauts, if you don't know, uh, it involves two time-traveling buddies who have these cool suits that allow them to jump back and forth through time and can take anything with them that they are touching at that moment, which is important. Yeah. Something they kind of briefly touch on uh, in the first issue, but it comes really important in this because... Uh, our, our, I mean, oh, crap, I can't remember his name. Is Danny? Is that what his name is? I forget. No, yeah, it is Danny. Danny is trying to find Quinn, who jumped through the portal. Mm-hmm. Something went wrong. That was in issue two. He jumps through the portal chasing him, and he ends up in this huge like war zone of arrows, but there's also guys with machine guns driving on trucks, and it's supposed to be like 1504. Wow, okay. Uh, and he let, he jumped through the portal like two minutes after Quinn jumped through. Yeah. We find out in this issue after he kind of gets captured and says who he is, and these guys get all excited. They take him to Quinn, 
he's been there for four years mm. and in a very short time for him to actually been in there, but he's been there for four years and he's been jumping through time to establish himself as a king of this time zone. Oh, interesting. <laughs> and uh, so he's like, what is going on? He's like, let me show you. And so they just start jumping through. Oh God, where do they jump first? They jump into uh, like New York, like, like 1904 New York. And mm-hmm. he's this, giant mobster guy a, a police officer pulls up beside him he pulls like gatsby and he just like smiles at him he's like, oh sorry sir i didn't realize who you are interesting and goes off they uh, they go back into um where else is he like established himself as a king in different time zones uh geez um oh here it is oh sorry i'm trying to my ipad slow oh so then um so they, he shows him like all this stuff he's collecting he's like you need to turn off your tracker they're gonna come find us our batteries are gonna last a hundred years we don't want them to find us we can do whatever we want to we can jump through time and establish ourselves as like gods almost was danny the one that had his girlfriend break up with him or his wife divorced uh that was quinn who jumped through first okay danny was the guy who was making out with the chick Uh, that he'd known for four days or before he left yeah yeah, okay uh yeah quinn was the one whose life had kind of been in shambles and he's the one suggesting to danny that hey turn off your battery we can do this and you you kind of see him think he's like i don't know and he's like no let's do it and because that's the thing i always forget when i'm reading this is for a long while everything they're doing is being broadcast live on television right so it's great because they're having this conversation about we should forget all those people back in our time zone and just just do whatever we want. We yeah, just do yeah. whatever we want. And he's like, forget that girl you said you were going to marry. You know, for what, five days? And he goes like, four and a half. And, it, <laughs> and then it jumps back into our time. Yeah. Our time, I'll say. And she's like, like what a dick. And he's like, you can't talk because you forget everyone is watching yeah, yeah, in the yeah. world. Yeah. Uh, and all the scientists and stuff. But then clicks off his tracker. And they just start jumping around. They go back to dinosaurs and they're flying flyer fighter jets through dinosaurs wow they had some pretty funny gags with this they go back like six billion years or they, they watch the first uh, uh a reptile crawl out of the protozoa it's like we could crush this and we'd all die uh it's <laughs> like that's pretty trippy he's like no let's do something really trippy in a gag that i thought was very funny they go to they go to the birth of christ mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. one of the wise men's like oh i'm sorry guys this is kind of embarrassing you really should bring a gift They've brought frankincense and myrrh. What do you have? And Quinn goes, oh, well, I brought this gold net- necklace. And he's holding up the little baby Jesus. And, and Danny goes, that's a crucifix. What are you trying to do to that child? <laughs> that was a funny gag I found funny. Uh, but eventually you kind of... Uh, uh, things start crashing down at the end. You see they're setting up a lot of conflict uh, towards the end of the issue uh, with people they've made mad through these different time zones that are going to come at them and to the Bronx or that uh, crazy land they first land themselves in, like the 1500s. Which is my only slight complaint about this issue is that I feel like the endings are just certain plot points get smashed together Mm. where they... Because you have to jump through all these time periods and all these things are happening. People are mad. You have someone from their Brooklyn uh, mobsters coming after them now and it's like 1504 and then people from present time are all figuring out ways to go after him. So it just feels like they really just shove all of this conflict right at the end or at least set it up 
uh, for issue three. And that was the only thing. It felt like such a fast book because it's almost so fun right. to read them what they're doing and how they're getting into and how they're bringing all these crazy technology uh, things into these different time periods. And it's so fun to watch. And then they set up all this conflict right at the end. And that was the only thing for me that felt, uh, you know, like not perfect, not uh, holy well done, just like crammed all that in. I felt that at times in issue one, where it's just the thing is just like it's just so much fun to read and I, yeah. it's not something i mean to a point it's something original but watching people time jump is something we've seen a lot recently mm-hmm, in different mm-hmm. in whatever medium you're watching there's people time jumping all over the place uh so then to the, it's so much fun to watch it in this setting and i don't know what it is about it but just what sometimes they just things get jammed in there um, so that was my only complaint. I love the art. The art is fantastic. It has like this light style where it can kind of be violent and stuff in the pages, mm-hmm. but it has this just like a thin uh, inking and oh and, yeah, yeah, and it's just like uh, almost not really flat, but just kind of a light coloring to it. Right, it's just like lighthearted feel and doesn't feel dr- like dreary and bad and everything. Sure. Stuff stuff I've seen of like Miller's can totally run like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I really like Chrononauts. I mean, it got picked up as film rights. Mm-hmm. I didn't really, but I didn't know if it was going to be that good because, you know, things get picked up all the time. Yeah. Uh, well, this is also got picked up like the day after the book was yeah. was uh, released and word came that Paramount, I think it was Paramount, yeah. uh, snagged up the rights to it. So There is, a, uh, which is great. And I was thinking about that when I was reading this this issue number two where there's an issue or there's a moment where Quinn is pulling Danny as they decide to turn off the track and they're going to go jump through time where for some reason, if these two characters reminded me of the two main guys from that, uh, was it DreamWorks animated The Road to El Dorado? Oh, yeah, yeah. It kind of, for some reason, that moment, and then like reading this kind of reminded me of that m- moment. Like the mm-hmm. different character personalities reminded mm-hmm. me of those two guys in that movie. Cool. Uh, but I really like Chrononauts. Uh, this is like my second Miller book I've reviewed in a row on the show. Uh, wow. It's been kind of a good run of stuff. That Jupiter Circle I reviewed a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. was really good. This is awesome. Uh, I'm going to give this uh, four out of five slices of meatloaf. Excellent. Very cool. Thank you, Zach. Uh, And thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Rodrigo. Uh, Listeners, you can find all sorts of reviews over at Majorspoilers.com. Convergence is going on, and last week we asked you what was your favorite Convergence title from last week, from week one. And uh, the one that came out on top was Speed Force with 19% of the vote and uh, Nightwing Oracle with 16% of the vote. That was the number two book. Uh, This week, so far... Uh, when we've asked you about what was your favorite book from Convergence Week 2, it looks like Justice League International is uh, running away with 27% of the vote. That was probably the best book of, out of the whole week. Uh, Convergence number 2 is coming in at uh, at a strong second there. We'll do this at least for the first four weeks of this Convergence event. Um, this thing's going on for eight weeks, Matthew. I know, man. We're going to get really, really, really overwhelmed. <laughs> We're going to be like, oh, my God. <laughs> what have we done? Let, let's talk really quickly about uh, the new Fantastic Four trailer. Make this our poll of the week for us. Oh, boy. Since I know that you guys haven't all read all the Convergence books. so I've uh, read one. Have you guys uh, seen all the, the, the brand new Fantastic Four trailer, Zach? Yes, I have. Rodrigo? Yes. Matthew? Yep. After seeing that, you know, the first time that the trailer came out, a lot of people were like, oh, my God, this looks like a big steaming pile of stuff. This is going to be awful. Uh, Have your attitudes or feelings changed after watching the latest Fantastic Four trailer, Matthew? Yes, to some degree, because now I'm actually less interested than I was before. Oh, okay. That's the 
I mean, that's the problem with trailers is they reveal things that you may not be interested in. That first trailer made me think that they were going to have a movie that I might be interested in, even though I don't know that I would call it a really good Fantastic Four movie. Mm -hmm. This last trailer has pretty much convinced me that I'm not the audience for this. I don't necessarily think it's going to be terrible. I don't think it's going to be a giant ishmagegi, but... I don't know that I'm interested in, you know, a, a body horror, sci-fi, Fantastic Four take necessarily. And, you know, I wasn't going to see it in the theater first run anyway. So, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I'm going to go out of my way to see it unless we, you know, pick it for something that we watch for the show or mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, right. help me. The child wants to see it. I don't know. Rodrigo, what about you? Uh, well, my attitude towards it hasn't changed and that I'm still kind of cautiously optimistic about it. Mm hmm. Um, the trailer sure had a guy on fire, an invisible lady, a rock guy, and a stretchy guy. So that's that's about where it starts, which <laughs> means I'm still kind of on board. Yeah, yeah. Zach? Yeah, I, I was really excited after this trailer. Um, I wasn't... I mean, I've never been a huge fan of Protective 4 just because I've never really explored there. I never watched the movies because everyone just told me they were crap and I right, should have right. just avoided them anyways. Right. So I don't have that plaguing uh, my fantastic for movie experience but this you know i'm interested i guess i don't think it i, I think this could be i hope this is like one of those surprise uh late of the summer movies mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i mean it very well could be i mean this is josh trank right mm -hmm. the first trailer felt more found footagey you know kind of stuff from what yeah. i remember this one did not this yeah. one felt very much like we are getting a, a very direct narrative uh traditional driven um experience mm -hmm. with this and again it just keeps reminding me so much about the ultimate fantastic four that i like that series uh, at least up in, to a point um so i know some people are like who are all these young kids running around how can they be the fantastic four i, I just i'm just gonna run with it and i'm i guess i'm with you rodrigo i'm cautiously optimistic that this is is going to be an okay movie you know uh i was listening to I believe you talked about this trailer on the morning stream yeah, this yeah, week, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was Scott listening. Brought it up, yeah, yeah, and Scott brought it up, and I was listening to it, and Scott said something about Miles Teller looking really young to play Reed Richard. <laughs> yeah, and he's which, old though, right? Isn't he? Like he's twenty eight. Yeah, which is something that people come up or say a lot about superhero movies recently. And so I wanted to see, like, in perspective of like old, and um, he is Miles Teller is older than Fantastic Four than when Christopher Reeve played Superman in the first movie, which actually kind of surprised me. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's probably people just getting older and everyone's younger. I, you, they they still cast that age range. I'm, and I'm sure older. if you go back to 1977 or whatever year it was when Christopher Reeve came out, there were probably a bunch of old people like <laughs> me that were like, "Why is there such an old guy playing <laughs> the Supermans up there? Where's my George Reeves at? Why is this well, in, in color?" Why am I talking <laughs> like a really old man from the South, Hubbly Land? Why are you Why are you a goldsmith from the nineteen? <laughs> anyway, yimini, yimini. the thing about it though, Reed Richards is the character who has the white temples and looks to be in mm -hmm. his early forties all the time. That's a good point. 
You know, Superman is routinely been 28 for the last 75 years, but Reed Richards shows up as a married or an almost married man, I guess I should say, who quickly ends up becoming a father within the first three years of his existence. So most people's memories of Reed and Sue Richards are mom and dad, basically. Yeah. The Marvel Universe is dad. So when you see, like, Ian Griffith was 26, 27, and he looked too young for the role for me. So Hmm. I'll give him a pass on that one. Reed is supposed to look a little older based on the way he's always been portrayed. Well, and consider that um, millionaire, playboy, fast car riding, hard drinking, car crashing uh, Tony Stark is now being played by a 50-something-year-old guy. 50, 54 yeah. now. So, I mean, that's that's just – if if anything else, that's just – getting as much longevity out of your production as possible. If, if Fantastic Four is a hit, that means that by the time Fantastic Four 2 rolls around, you're not going to have uh, characters who now absolutely need a stunt double. Yeah, and I hear that's why they're going with a very, very young <laughs> uh, actor for the next Peter Parker, for the next Spider-Man role. Because if it's playing yeah, out with this shared universe between uh, Marvel and Sony, mm-hmm. they want this kid to be around for a while. Yeah. For this. So um, it makes sense to to do that. Um, but then on the other hand, uh, you know, I, I don't care as long as it's a good story. I could, you know, what if, if, if the kid's 55 or if the kid's 25. What if they did? Because, you know, there's that there's this hair trend now where um, I guess I've never seen guys do it. I guess some of them probably have where they actually dye their hair kind of a gray silver. Oh, really? But they, they put some. Uh, I'd love to dye my hair a gray there. silver <laughs> if I had hair. Uh, yeah, some people are doing yeah. that, I guess, right? Yeah. I'm totally doing that. That's that's why my hair has the gray-silver patches. <laughs> I was, me me I was too, in my time. beard. That's, yeah, that's what I'm go. doing with yeah. it. Yeah, a can of silver spray paint went off. That's what it is. <laughs> that's what it was. Sure, yeah. Hey, uh, speaking of Scott Johnson, he is going to be our guest this week on Finally Friday. What is Finally Friday, you ask? Well, man, it's a show we've been doing for six months. It's a live call-in show. It takes place every <laughs> Friday afternoon. You can join us live, and you can ask your questions to Scott, and we'll talk about anything and everything uh, going on. That is uh, live on YouTube, up on the Major Spoilers website, and also on TuneIn and at AlphaGeekRadio.com. So, hey, the cool thing about TuneIn, maybe you heard about this no. at your big NAB, Zach. TuneIn is now playable on i think i uh itunes and android devices or uh, apple and android devices and it's now in your car that supports android devices so if oh. you have an in dash android device you can listen to to a uh, tune in uh right through your through your uh, nice. car stereo that sounds fancy and listen to finally friday and it's it's great I, I love it we have had people from finland and germany and australia and mexico i think we had someone from china canada and then, of course, all the nice. all the states call in. It's it's a good time. Zach's been on it um, multiple times. Mm-hmm. Ashley Victoria Robinson is going to be on it. In fact, I can tell you right now, the next couple of weeks of guests that we have. Uh, so this week, lineup. Yep, this is a guest lineup. So right now, it is uh, Scott Johnson this week. Week after that, we're going to have um, Bill Duran, uh, Chin oh. Beer that you know. He's going to come on. We're going to talk about cosplay and nice. prop building and all those kinds of things. Week after that, Ashley will be back. We're going to be talking about um, – she should be wrapped up on principal yeah. photography for Red Shirt Diaries mm-hmm. by then, so we'll talk about that. And another little project that she's been uh, uh, working on oh. and I think is coming out within 
couple of within a week or two of of our interview. So we'll she, talk about that. She the new director for Wonder Woman. Yeah, she is the new director for Wonder Woman. So Great. yes, yes. So that's who the. Wait, and I thought I some, was the new director. And then for I'm Wonder Woman. I'm waiting to hear back from a couple of other guests. So we've got some. Got some things lining up in the future. It's all part of Finally Friday, whoop, whoop. and it's a show that's really guided by your questions and answers and comments, and uh, it's a, it's really a lot of fun. So go check it out. You can find it over on our YouTube channel, a Major Spoilers video, uh, or on the Major Spoilers website. So go check it out. Tweaked Audio is sponsoring this portion of the Major Spoilers podcast. We want to thank Tweaked Audio for their continued support of our fine show. They've got some fine headphones, a lot of different styles, a lot of different colors. I was listening to mine again today. The clarity. I've been listening to uh, – I watched the movie Inherent Vice, uh-huh. and I like that so much that I got the audiobook version of that. Uh-huh. And I have been listening to that the uh, last couple of weeks while my son is doing soccer. I'll just sit there and pop those in while I'm watching him. And the clarity on these things is great, especially because it drowns out the wind, the background noise, the screams of little kids who get the ball kicked into their face, all that stuff. Yes, it's so annoying. It's when you're so annoying, right, right? When, you're trying, when you're trying to listen to an audiobook, right? I know. So thank you, Tweaked Audio. <laughs> Good thing is, if it is problematic, kid is, Daddy, Daddy, take out your tweaked audio headphones. My nose, oh! No, my son's tough. Uh, the good thing is, okay. if you do have to stop quickly, if you have the uh, headsets with the microphone built in, you just push the little uh, the little piece on the cord, mm-hmm. puts everything in pause. You can pop out the earphones, answer your questions, whatever, and then get back to your audiobook uh, really quickly. All from tweakedaudio.com, and they have a great deal. When you head over to tweakedaudio.com, use the checkout code Major and get thirty three percent off your price. We thank Tweaked Audio again for their support. Oh, there is a little button. I didn't know what that button did. Yeah, I always thought it was volume up and down, but it's just uh, pause and and, uh, release. That's way cool. I'm wearing mine right now, by the way. Or if you are in a phone conversation, I think it mutes as well. Mm, But can you use the volume? Not on those, I don't Uh, think so. At least not on the pair that I have. And I've had mine now for almost a year, so they may have had some other pairs. That pause function is really nice. It is really nice. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it is. So I got a couple of questions for you. 57. Um. So with Fantastic Four coming out, Star Wars coming out, uh, Batman v Superman, Avengers, all these kinds of things, some people are really into what they've seen and some people are not into what they've seen. And some people are like, well, if it's got so-and-so in it, I will never see this movie. And I know that we talk about, uh, you know, let your let your wallet be your um, be your vote mm-hmm. as to letting the studios know whether you want these kinds of things or not. But I wonder, is there an unintended consequence of not supporting your thing, whatever that thing may be, in that, oh, well, we can't get enough fans to come to our football games, uh, so we're going to sell the team. And then the, everybody's like, well, we didn't want you to sell the team and move the Rams to someplace else. No, the Rams. Not at all. The Rams. <laughs> oh, darn those Rams. Uh, or, hey, uh, you know, we didn't want to go see your uh, your Batman Superman movie, but that didn't mean we didn't want to see Wonder Woman. Why'd you guys cancel all those other movies? Or why suddenly are there no more comic book movies being made? Well, you guys didn't didn't come and see the movies. Uh, so I think that the, uh, the question is, is there an unintended con- consequence of the not supporting your thing being, well, we don't like what you're doing or your direction. And then the creators taking that to an extreme saying, oh, well, people must not be interested in comic book movies anymore. People must not be interested in comic book television shows anymore. So therefore, let's just stop it and go back to telling, uh, you know, teenage drama of the week shows. Let's bring back the 90210s. Oh, yeah. Like Arrow and Flash aren't. Yeah, actually- I was gonna say- <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Flash is 90210. I think that it's it, it's a it's a double edged sword for me, because on the one hand. It is a very common worry. 
And it's one that I run into on the internet when, you know, for instance, if I say something snarky, people are like, oh, don't say that. You're shooting down comics. Well, I'm, I'm really not. I love comics. I love comics in a way that even if the comics are bad in some cases or less uh, polished or less good, I'll still be like, yeah, these are, these are comics and those are fun. We have the worry that our vote has a lot of weight because we, you know, we expect Marvel, we expect DC, we expect Sony to listen to the voice of we, the consumer, especially in the era of crowdfunding. Right. But suddenly, but again, like you said, Matthew, if you're going off on a snarky, mean comment or something, uh, Mm -hmm. people can misinterpret it the same way. Just like if suddenly a hashtag becomes trending. Someone mm-hmm. can suddenly say, oh, well, because it's trending, therefore, um, in the opposite case of this, oh, yeah, let's bring the X-Files back. Um, but, right. you know, if somebody could say, oh, uh, uh, Batman, Batman Boo or Batman No, and then suddenly that becomes trending and suddenly Warner Brothers looks at it and says, oh, it looks like people are really against Batman. Maybe we shouldn't do any more Batman movies or maybe we shouldn't right. do comic book movies in general. But I think that it's a worry that's mostly, mostly baseless because when it really comes right down to it um the example that i keep using and one that came up recently on social media was 1995 hal jordan is in a moribund state nobody wants to read green lantern they need something new for the book so they devastate the entire supporting cast hal goes nuts becomes a villain there's a new green lantern in kyle rayner immediately after kyle rayner became a thing there was a grassroots campaign among fans, H-E-A-T, Heat, Hal's Emerald Action Team, who wrote DC, sent postcards to DC, put pressure on DC to get rid of Kyle and bring back Hal. Those people, many of them, probably weren't reading Green Lantern every month, weren't necessarily supporting that book. Then Kyle came around for a while, and now there's to a point where when they brought Hal back, people were mad that Kyle was no longer the main guy. It kind of goes in cycles. And I <laughs> yeah, feel like at the same time, DC is like, well, you said you guys wanted Hal Jordan back. God <laughs> dang. What's wrong with you people? When when I don't support my thing, um, it's kind of I feel like it's it's my choice. And as that one voice, I'm going to read, I'm going to listen, I'm going to watch what interests me. I don't feel like I need to go see the new Fantastic Four movie to be the voice of old fat white dudes, because frankly, that voice will be heard. And if they love Fantastic Four, they're going to love it with or without me. So I feel like, yes, I'd rather, I'd rather actually vote with the things that I want to be a part of, the things that I want to read. And if I recuse myself from, say, Scott Snyder's run on Batman, which the parts of it that I've read have been excellent. I haven't read it all. I have no need, no desire to read it all. And I don't feel like I'm a bad fan for not wanting to read that Batman run, even if it's, you know, a really great one, perhaps the best one in years. Rodrigo, you have some thoughts? Sure. Um, I think that you can use... Uh, sales and data like that to basically justify almost any point. Oh yeah, yeah, and they do, right? I mean, and uh, and they and that's, do. That's they the problem with do. that's the problem with uh, female-led superhero movies, right? It's like absolutely. Well, look at absolutely, how Catwoman but, did. Look at how this movie did before. Exactly, Therefore, but, nobody wants to see these movies. 
But but nobody looked at uh, Ben Affleck's Daredevil and says like, guys, I don't think movies with white male superheroes sell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's never make these again, right? I mean, that's that's actually a very and I'm glad you made it for me because I was you saw me dribbling up the whatever you dribble in basketball. I <laughs> sorry in the middle of the in the middle of that ba- in the middle of that analogy, I forgot I don't know anything about sports, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, the alley-oop, that's what I was looking for. Anyway, um, yeah, no, absolutely. You can use numbers to justify anything. You can use, and and DC and, and uh, Warner Brothers could look at um, a, a bad response to Ben Affleck and say, well, then we don't have to do superhero movies anymore, which we've been kind of bad at and we are actually trying not to do. You know, I mean, they could do that or they could just do it anyway, which is kind of what they're doing. I mean, they've committed themselves to a lot. And my guess is, is if these movies don't do well, then we're going to have seven years of uh, flaming wrecks to yeah, yeah. watch, I guess. I guess or the, not watch. I guess the thing that kind of is the opposite of that then is um, a grassroots effort to do something where and I guess it's the vocal minority where they're like, hey, we want this character back. We want this character back. Bring back this character. Mm-hmm. And then the publisher, whichever, whoever publisher it is, is like, okay, fine. We bring this character back. And they've got a good creative team. Or, in fact, maybe they bring back the original creative team. And then sales continue to plummet. And then it's DC is like, well, you guys said you wanted these characters. And we went through all this time and effort. Um, and then and then you guys didn't have the sales that you said you were going to have on this. You as the fans. Yeah. And so, therefore, don't ask anymore. Don't ask well, us this... because you guys obviously <laughs> don't care enough about your thing to support your thing. But that's the thing about a thing. Uh, in 2005, 2006, when Jeff Johns brought back Hal Jordan, he made a point of not nerfing Kyle Rayner and not nerfing John Stewart and not nerfing Guy Gardner so that when the book came back earth had four active green lanterns and i read those books for probably 2 years before i realized that's way too many green lanterns yeah, yeah, yeah. they weren't willing to give up Kyle to have Hal back they had their cake and they ate it too and i think that you know, I'm not the guy to talk about your your demographics or your breakdown, but I think that having every iteration of the character available is a positive thing and a negative thing. Mm-hmm. Being able to watch Batman the Brave and the Bold, read Batman 66, and also go and, you know, see Batman in the theaters under Christopher Nolan is great, but it does give you the option of some audience fragmentation. Sure. If if my Batman is Batman 66 and I only want to see Batman 66 and I think Batman Brave and the Bold is silly, which I don't, by the way, I love it. If I think that's silly, I may not put my Batman weight behind this different version. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marvel, when I was a kid, Marvel Comics numbered their superheroes. Captain America 1 was Steven Rogers. Captain America 2 was uh, William Nasland. Captain America 3 was Jeffrey Mace. They stopped doing it when it became too complicated. If you go to Marvel right now and look up Captain America, you won't find entries for Captain America. You'll find entries for the nine guys who've been Captain America. 
four of which are currently active, which should tell you a little bit of something. Back in the day, it was Steve Rogers and these other guys that followed him. Now they have a multitude of Captain Americas available for all your Captain America needs in every size, shape, and color. Mm -hmm. And that's great, but it also does have that effect of if I only want my Sam Wilson Captain America and I don't care about your Steve Rogers Captain America, I'm going to put my money behind Sam Wilson. Mm-hmm. Zach, you know, uh, Lego changed its policy with its uh, Lego ideas, mm-hmm. uh, I think, within the last two weeks, where it used to be, it was, what, six months is how long the voting was open for a particular set? A year. A year. Now they've yeah. extended that now oh, wow. to where it's now the, the voting time is, is uh, open a lot longer. Mm-hmm. But I do remember, and this goes not only to, uh, po- you know, to uh, the, the, the Lego pieces, but it goes to podcasts and television shows and uh, other radio programs that people like, where it's like, oh man, my favorite Lego set. The, this Lego set didn't get uh, didn't get voted enough and and uh, didn't win, or my p- favorite podcast has gone away, or or my uh, favorite blank has gone away. Well, did you vote for it? Did you mm. support it? Well, no. Well, then, <laughs> what did you expect was going to happen? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, there's this. Oh man, I love Agents of like Shield. That. It's being canceled. Well, yeah, things like that. It's interesting because uh, in this world that we live in now, especially with the internet, is there's so much media to consume yeah, yeah, yeah. that there are things that we love that we forget about or we put on the back burner for mm-hmm. other things, and then it's only in that moment we realize we're not going to have it anymore. We're kind of put in this safe spot where it's just there. It's right. accruing. I'll binge watch it in a couple months. You right. know, I'll get mm-hmm. to, I'll watch four seasons in a weekend and mm-hmm. Netflix will say, go outside and you'll get some vitamin D. <laughs> um, the twink, the Twinkie conundrum is yeah. what I like to call it. Yes. And that's when you actually run out of Twinkies and pause yeah. Netflix and go get but, your vitamin D while but getting Twinkies. Nobody, nobody wanted the damn Twinkies until Hostess oh, yeah, until, went out. Oh, they sure. said they were right. going until they said they were going to make them anymore. Uh, that we forget the, that uh, that thing we love is still there and we still mm. need to support it even though we think yeah. it'll be there when we get to it. Right. But it's not always there because yeah. it'll be there. You know, they, well, need those, they need people the, now to watch it. And that's the problem with... Uh, the trade waiters, right? I mean, people who are like, uh, you know, this looks like a good series, uh, but, you know, I'm going to wait and collect City on the Edge of Forever when it comes out in trade paperback. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to go and collect this uh, arc of uh, Sam Wilson as Captain America when it comes out in trade, but I'm not going to go buy the single issues. And then the sales plummet, and then Marvel's like, well, nobody wants to read about Sam Wilson, Captain America. Mm-hmm. Let's shelve it. Let's not even put out the trade because the sales were so poor there. Mm-hmm. And so we end up screwing ourselves that way as well. Yeah, there is this thing that I was thinking about when, like, Matthew was talking, and or Rodrigo, when he brought up with the money talks, that I thought, well, th- that is true because a lot of these companies look at the bottom line. I was going to say you could, even if, say, like, Matthew, not uh, so gung-ho on this Fantastic Four movie, in this perfect world, you could go watch the movie, get online, type out a nice... Uh, well thought out critique of the film and ne- give a negative rating and eventually the negative rating would be the one that the thing that would determine if another Fantastic Four movie would be made or not. Right. But it's not. It's the box office. Right. I mean look at Transformers, right? I mean I don't yeah. I don't know if the last Transformers movie was good or bad. I'm gonna guess it wasn't fantastic, but it still made over a billion dollars and thus we're getting more fantastic more. more Transformers movies and in fact spin-off movies from the right. main Transformers film. So yeah. that's the balance with these creative arts that we all enjoy and that we can say 
hey, this isn't this isn't great, but we had to spend all the money to determine it wasn't great. And so that to the execs at the <laughs> studio are like, people bought it. Let's make more. Even if they don't right. like it, yeah, they're yeah, going to yeah. buy it to tell us that they don't like it. Like, we don't care, ultimately. <laughs> but then there is this art side to it where the the passionate group of people over this really nice project, uh, and they love it, but none of people are behind it, and then it right. goes away. Right, right. But that, that's that's kind of also the thing about supporting your thing is there are people who support things ironically, to the point where they're talking about a sequel to The Room, to the point where Paul Blart Mall Cop had enough cachet to get a sequel made. There are, and I do it too. I'm terrible about this. I, I love people. I love characters. I love books. I love movies that are just flat out not really all that good. Mm-hmm. So there, there are consequences of supporting your thing and not supporting your thing, but there are also larger concerns of perception of how many voices are supporting your thing well and that's why i said because it does not take a lot of people it does not take a lot of people to get something trending on twitter uh um you know you could have ten thousand people get something to trend pretty quickly dude gail Uh, simone makes things trend like twice a month yeah and i don't know what her follow look at her follower base on twitter and that'll give you some kind of indication because i know not everyone participates in all of her hashtag shenanigans which i love (laughs) you know but you know she's doing it just to have fun and to goof right right but it ends up it ends up trending to to a point where uh someone looks at it and says hey uh yes let's let's do a bunch of variant covers based on uh comic book (laughs) cover bands on poached eggs yes all because it's trending on twitter yeah i don't know and that's cool Uh, to me because they're trying to listen to the audience in ways that they haven't been able to and even if they're listening to us say things that are dumb they're trying to listen Mm -hmm. and the the, here's the thing about it this is the honest truth a lot of the things that we as an audience say are dumb and i don't mean that pejoratively i mean I, i i review things for the site i review things on the twitter a lot of the things that we say are very subjective or nearsighted or I loved this because it reminds me of things that I used to love and not basically on its own merits. And then you get, say, a movie like Transformers. Nobody likes it. Everybody wants to tear it down. Everybody says Michael Bay is a hack and these movies are terrible cash grabs. And they still make a quadrillion dollars. <laughs> I mean, it, it, what, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Well, that's, that's what I'm asking is, do you go ahead and support something because you love it so much or do you just say, well, I really only want to support it if I want to support it. And if that means that it goes away forever, then I'm going to have to live with that. Right. Well, I mean, that's. Oh, oh go, go ahead. ahead, Rodrigo. I've been talking all over people. Um, I mean, uh, you know, maybe I'm I'm a terrible hipster for this, but sometimes, you know, if the if if it's between them taking a property that I like um, or that a normal human being loves, um, and them doing something terrible or something that I hate with it, maybe it is a better option for them to just not keep making those movies because if it harms the cachet of your character or your thing that you like, you know, maybe that's worth it. Maybe that's worth it for you to not support it. I I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's, 
something that like every fan has to ask themselves. Yeah, yeah. But I guess how much know, after- do I hate? Um, X. Yeah, yeah, but after Batman and Robin, right? Uh, after that horrid thing, it was like, oh, God, let's hope that they never make another Batman and Robin movie again. And then we get Christopher Nolan's trilogy and people are like, oh, this actually I'm glad they continued to make some Batman movies or in the case of Fast and the Furious. First movie was OK, okay. mediocre. Second movie really shouldn't have been made. By the time they went to Tokyo Drift, it suddenly started to turn around. And from Tokyo Drift to seven and now eight, nine and ten, uh, the, the franchise has just taken off and it, i think this is the first movie to it's the fastest movie to make a billion dollars mm-hmm. in its initial release yeah people are going That's crazy over fan, yeah so i mean seven. uh kind of not to disagree with you rodrigo but kind of on the contrast of that it's like well maybe if i just give them a little bit more money they'll actually make a good movie or tell a good <laughs> story finally right or a good tv version of you know whatever well, my my thing is here's here's my example all my life, from the day I was born, DC Comics was printing a Legion of Superheroes comic book. And shortly before it was canceled in 2013, I stopped reading that book for the first time in a couple of decades. Stopped reading it, didn't like it, didn't like the writer, didn't like the artist, didn't like the tone. I'm out. The book then got canceled. Now, I'm not saying that I did that. I totally <laughs> did that. But most importantly, I think what it what it proved, what it meant was my answer is clearly no, I'm not going to continue forever feeding something that I love that is no longer nice to me, like uh, the child's cat. But I think I maybe gave it too much time. I probably could have dropped that in after really, really oh, soul yeah, yeah. searching. After, after the guy I could have dropped Archie it in 2010. Yeah. But that's the thing about it. I mean, it's a very personal question because the way we approach our media, mm-hmm. as we've seen with you know recent stuff on the internet, people take their media very personally, and an attack on what you love is perceived as a personal attack on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so, that's, you know, that's why I'm bringing these up because I want to find out different people's perceptions, different people's takes on things. I like to ask questions yeah. and find out what other people are thinking because I think when we have a better idea of um, how other people view Subject X – Mm-hmm. Uh, then it gives us a better idea on how we formulate or reformulate our own ideas about things. I'm I'm with Rodrigo. I'd rather not support a take that I don't like, even if it means that the property goes away for a while. Because frankly, in the year 2015, nothing goes away forever. Most yeah. things don't even go away for long. Now, Batman, Batman is a great example. I mean, they – it's like – Batman versus the Riddler man or whatever came out and everybody was like, we hate this. This was terrible. And everybody's like, let's not do Batman anymore. And how long did it take? Maybe a very long time. Well, Maybe actually, 10 whole years. No, no, it's uh, Batman Riddler. And then it was Batman Robin. Or were there two movies after Batman Riddler? Uh, there was Batman Riddler, which was Batman Forever. Forever. Yeah. Oh, right. And there right. was Batman and Robin, which was. Oh, uh, yeah. Which right. was, That's which was Freeze Plant. Batman. Right. You know Plant. what killed the dinosaurs? Right. Yeah. I still meet you. Right. So that one. We'll say that one. Get to the chopper. And then maybe it was a forever time yeah. of what? Nine ten, years? Ten, ten years? Ten years. Ten years. So ten solid years without Batman. And then look, Batman's back. Like. Again, you can read and they can interpret those numbers however they want. 
You know, like Batman's not going to go away. Superheroes now have been proven that they have, have proven that they can work financially. So even if a horrid streak of superhero movies comes out and it just collapses, it's going to be between five and ten years before somebody does superheroes again and people get on the bandwagon. Yeah, you'll have your, you'll always have your unforgiven effect. Yep. Where westerns are not successful, everybody hates westerns. Clint Eastwood makes a great western, and then all of a sudden there are westerns everywhere. You can't you can't spin a cat without hitting a western. And now and nowadays you get a new solid western every what three years, four years, five years. You know, it's Some, like sometimes you get a Seth MacFarlane western too. Yeah, and 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 that's the thing is like now western is just one of the things that gets done. It's like. You know, you three tenths to Yuma, your assassination of Jesse James, that sort of thing, you know, and yeah. it just come out and people are like, oh, cool, a new Western, you know, and it's just like under control. Yeah. I just worry about the thing of, well, you guys said you didn't want this, so we're moving the team to somewhere else. And then people are like, well, that's not what we really meant. We just wanted you to fire the coach and get somebody better. Oh, no, you guys weren't coming to the games. The numbers showed us that the team's moving and tough. We sold well, it to Seattle. But, but, but here's, here's the thing. Yeah. Here's the it's, thing. it's one of Even, those weird things. And it's not just pop culture, right? I mean, it goes to anything. Um, but I think we're looking at it through the lens of pop culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's what the show does. Yeah. What were you going to say, Rodrigo? Oh, they can make that decision even if the team is oh, successful. Sure. Sure they can. That's the sure. thing is like to put that on the audience is yeah. problematic because ultimately the people making the decisions about these properties – are actual people in actual boardrooms wearing actual expensive ties. You know, yeah. it's not us. It's not our fault that Batman went away for 10 years. It's the fact that they wanted to milk every last ounce of Batman until mm-hmm. it was a, I don't know, super dry bad mummy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Bad mummy, by the way, is what <laughs> they should just do with Batman. Yeah. And when it comes down to it, again, Things, these things go in cycles. In 1999, I was kind of heartbroken when World Championship Wrestling went down for the count. And the company was sold and everybody was fired and bloody, bloody blue. And it wasn't but four years before most of those people were back on TV working for NWATNA. These things come back in cycles. So I feel like at least specifically in terms of pop culture, even if we have poisoned the well as a fan base for this Fantastic Four movie, to use an example, if we've bad-mouthed it so much and nobody's going to go see it and, you know, what's going on with this and Michael Jordan and bloody bloody blue and all of these things and the movie totally tanks, what does this mean? Three years from now, maybe Marvel will get the rights back and then they'll bring it into the MCU and fold it over. I mean... There are going to be consequences that we can't control. And again, I think I would rather chance a big corporation doing what big corporations do, which is make stupid decisions, than continue to funnel my attention and, more importantly, my money into something that isn't affecting me the way that I feel like you know the artistic experience should be. Mm-hmm. Well, I think people should support the things that they that they love, uh, especially if they want them to continue. Because uh, I've said it before, there's going to become a time where your favorite thing is gone, and maybe it could have lasted a little bit longer with your support. Now, if it was awful, then yeah, great, don't don't support it. But if it's something you're really truly enjoying, I say you need to support it as much as you can. Sure. Yeah. All right, everybody. I think that wraps it up. We are out of time this week. 
Uh, tune in on Thursday on the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. Matthew and I are going to review IDW's uh, Uncle Scrooge number one this week. That should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that. It does not look like it's a reprint, Matthew, of an old Uncle Scrooge tale. So uh, this is going to be some good times. I'm looking forward to that. Also, Life is uh, like a hurricane. Yeah. Also, a programming note, because we record Critical Hit on Wednesday this week, uh, your next uh, VIP installment of Flashpoint won't come out until late Thursday. So be Flashback. on the lookout for that. Uh, yes, flashback, sorry, over at uh, members.majorspoilers.com. We thank everybody for their support on that. Uh, this week, Matthew, it should be a lot of uh, fun to talk about Black Canary and her role in uh, Whatever Happened to Harrison Wells. That's the title. I think that's the title of this week's. Uh, uh, is it got Grodd in it? No, Grodd, I guess, has been pushed back to the very final episode of the season. Wow. Yeah. Who knew that monkey hair was so hard to render? It is a it's a it takes a long time to render and a long time to get right. So just nice. uh, to keep that in mind. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being part of the Major Spoilers experience. We're going to be back next week taking a look at Doctor Strange, The Oath, because we know that you love comics. We do, too. And we will talk with you soon. Fat Dick's revision of Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler! What a major spoiler! Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I was Stark Raven rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine Be in the Middle East With a King Santo and soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler This podcast is copyright 2015 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.